can't do anything about that. Is it bad? Hang on. No, it's fine. One second. How's it going? This is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop. And no, Ian Rismondo is not riding the swings in the background, uh, but I guess there's some birds joining us. <laughs> um, if you hear some tweets in the background, kind of nonstop. Um, I thought it was a swing set. But yeah, I'm joined by Ian Rismondo. Um, hey, I know you're still here. reading the news articles, but that's okay uh, because I've got a good, well, a good review of a bad movie to talk about. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to remind those first-time listeners uh, that you can find us in multiple places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podcasts Sold for Free, or you can join us live on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision, uh, where you can hop in the live chat and share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is we're talking about. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways you can listen or watch to us, whatever suits you best. Uh, also, uh, we'll be spoiling things that we're talking about. That being said, today, talking about a 1984 movie. Um, however, it might sort of contain spoilers for a movie that's coming out in two weeks, uh, which is Dune. That was this week's movie review. The format of the show is to talk about uh, one specific movie or two movies, uh, do a review for the first couple minutes, and then we'll jump into this past week's movie news and just talk about what's going on in the movie making world uh, a lot of interesting things this week very interesting a lot of moves uh, a lot of corporate moves a lot of content moves a lot of just craziness that i can't wait to get into uh but before we do that uh yeah i think that's everything so i'm gonna jump into talking about dune 1984 the the legendary worst version of dune and at the beginning i didn't get it i was like it's bad but it's not like horrendous mm -hmm. um my biggest problem with like the first 30 minutes <laughs> and it continues throughout the whole movie is that basically anytime someone has a thought we're told about it. We get so much inner voices and it's not just the, the story of Dune definitively has a main character in Paul. And it's not that we just get the inner voices of our main character. We get the inner voices of everyone just about. And, and so, and we get them randomly and they're not that insightful. It'll, it, a lot of it's very surface level inner thoughts that like okay. Paul overhears a conversation about his dad and then he has inner thoughts an inner voice relevant to his dad shock he's like oh i wonder what they think about my father and it's like yeah that's a logical thought to have <laughs> okay i don't Thanks know why us. that needed to be dialogue <laughs> like how does that compare to the uh tom holland movie tom holland daisy ridley uh, like um, uh, chaos walking chaos walking uh chaos walking was a lot more enjoyable because it was so sporadic it was so uncontrolled um that he would it was like instinctual thoughts rather than surface level thoughts it, it was like scary 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 <laughs> and he would have like emotional thoughts and so it was really interesting uh to to see that so i think it, it worked a little bit better plus it had the visual aspect of it all um 
uh also i'm one of the few people that actually enjoyed that movie so whatever but uh <laughs> the book was um, really hard to get into yeah it's simple despite being complicated but it's simple <laughs> uh but yeah so dune even despite all of these inner voices talking through i was still getting into it i was still starting to get into it and i was like all right we're kind of going places I remember the story. I haven't acted. This was the first time I watched the David Lynch version. And I think David Lynch is a terrific director, but this is the unadaptable work of Dune. Um, there is another version out there that I have seen, which is a trilogy of films. I forget who the director is, um, but they devoted a trilogy of films just to that first book. Uh, and I believe it's just to the first book. Uh, <laughs> and uh so much happens in the trilogy and, and he, even uh, my uncle's a huge fan of dune that's like his favorite book all time um and so he's the one that made me watch it and he he's telling me he's like it's still not great but <laughs> but it's it's much better you you gain better insight about what's going on uh and i agree the details that you get in six hours is a lot more than you get in two um and it's not even just the details. They tell more of the story. Uh, this this 1984 version, I have a feeling, I'm very curious if it if this Dune movie that's coming up, given that that movie is a part one, um, if it's going to end in a similar place that the 1984 movie ended in. Because 1984 movie ended, and I was like, but that's not the end of the story. Where's the rest? <laughs> like... Um, and I thought the problem with the 1984 movie is that they tried to adapt the whole story in two hours, but no, I, I think the first hour and a half is a bad adaptation, but it's trying, it's really trying to adapt it. And then you get to the last half an hour, which is possibly the most atrocious thing that exists in cinema. <laughs> like it is bad. The, the last 30 minutes of this movie, uh, because I gotta tell you, I was an hour and a half in and I was like, okay, I'm kind of still with it. It's weird. It, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't super make sense the way they're explaining things. They're kind of jumping over a bunch of stuff, but I'll accept it. You know, because it is such difficult source material. So, so I'll give it some credence. Because uh, Fantastic Beasts. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then we get to the last 30 minutes. And it goes so fast. Mm -hmm. It is just cruising through events. And it's like, Paul is just, it's almost montage -y for like 30 minutes of like Paul gaining power with the Fremen people and gaining the respect and riding the worm and taking the, the water of life. It's all so quick. It's all happening like rapid fire that it's just like, Oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> like what is going on? And then I was like, there was a part of me that was like, maybe they are going to adapt the whole story all of a sudden. And then it still didn't get there. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this just didn't... It, it was very weird. Like, I guess they had a plan similar to this Denny Villeneuve one that's coming. A plan to do more. 
because the film is also not only do you get inner voices but it's also narrated and it's not mm -hmm. narrated by paul it's narrated by the daughter of the emperor okay which i don't know about the book maybe the book is narrated by the daughter of the emperor but like I believe the daughter of the emperor isn't that big of a deal until later in the story, which isn't where the movie gets to. The movie never gets to the point to where she's important. <laughs> like, not really. Um, so does it feel undeveloped or does it feel like there, it was left on the cutting room floor? Like, does it... it feels undeveloped. Okay. Um, or it was developed and they were just like, okay, we made f this four-hour-long movie or something, and the studios told us to cut it down to two. And so they didn't cut the first hour and a half at all. And, <laughs> and they just cut that uh, two extra hours into a half an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was very strange and just very quick, uh, very horrible. Um they really wasted Patrick Stewart, who is in the movie. Um, and I got really excited for him to be in the movie, uh, but he didn't really do anything, um, which I guess that character doesn't really do a whole lot anyways, but in this particular moment. Um, but yeah, like it, it captured like the core events of the beginning, but it didn't capture the feeling. Um, a lot of the philosophy was kind of like on the nose, I guess. Like there were still some good philosophical moments, but it was very on the nose. Like it would be directly stated at certain points. <laughs> some okay. of the like philosophical realizations uh, that I felt like it was already kind of coming across. Um, I will say I didn't remember the box all that well that we see so cinematically in the trailer um, and seeing the box again because I don't really remember it from the trilogy. I'm sure it was there. I just don't remember it. Um, seeing it again in this version box is such a cool scene. It's a cool scene. Even in this bad movie, it's a cool scene. Uh, <laughs> it's done so well. Um, just the I the idea of of the box um but yeah it, it's it reminded me though how cool the lore is of of dune with the um i forget what they're called but with the witches and mm -hmm. then the lore about this messiah that paul becomes um and, and you get the messiah from two different prophecies you get the messiah that the witches have predicted and then you get the messiah that the fremen people are looking for uh and, and so it's really cool um it reminds me a lot of uh i mean i guess it's kind of the other way around but in the wheel of time how there's so many different interpretations of the prophecy kind of thing um which is a book franchise that you love so much but uh, I'm trying to think what else. <laughs> also, funny enough, since I made that connection to the Wheel of Time, in both franchises, I believe there is polygamy, <laughs> more or less. Polyamory. Um, well, no, no, it's polygamy. So it's not polyamory. It's not polyamory. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's actually not polyamory. So, sorry, the reason I was confused is it's polygamy in the book, uh, but in the show, it's going to be polyamory. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far in the book series anyways. Um, but yeah, it, it's now, man. What one of the really interesting things that like I thought when I was watching the Dune trilogy is that like he loves this mm -hmm. girl, this Fremen girl. And he's already kind of in control of the Fremen people. And so he realizes that he needs to marry someone with more power despite him not loving them. Dang, so it really And so he he makes a choice to marry a girl specifically for power and then he never does anything with her because he does not like her. He doesn't he like does not treat her well. He does not care about her one bit. Um he's loyal to the woman he loves. And and so it's really interesting uh the way it goes down. Uh -huh. It's what I recall, at least, from the trilogy. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. Well, uh, so, um, yeah. There's been, a lot, there's been a lot of takes on Dune over the years. Um, and I, I feel very vocal that like, a, a Dune movie is, is not a good way to do it. I don't think it's possible to convey everything that Dune is in a movie, or a trilogy would be do a better job. But I, I still I'll stand by that I think a TV show with the right budget would be the best way to do it. Because... I'm I don't sure know if it would like, be as big. I don't know if it, was, it would be as big as some of these other shows like Game of Thrones or whatever. It wouldn't be the next Game of Thrones. Um, Here's the can, thing, though. Even Dune lovers don't really care about the books after book one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, like, how many... I don't want multiple seasons of a show to be devoted to, like just one book because then we get into like hobbit territory that's like even though there is a lot of source material but it's like you don't right. take too much time to tell it i i think you should be able to tell it in a trilogy you just need to devote more time and effort to making it a higher well quality. depending on how well this movie does we might get a chance to see that trilogy come to fruition yeah, so I don't know if this plan is for a trilogy. I think it's just part one, part two. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Denny Villeneuve has done a great job making... Uh, his last few movies are super popular. So, uh, ho hopefully this one... I mean, this one's doing great overseas. I mean... <laughs> Uh, when it comes out in the United States. Although I, I honestly think, though, <laughs> it's the kind of movie that probably would do better overseas. It, it's not a very American... It is not a very American story. <laughs> it's also not very... Story. Like It's not what we're used to in our... No, it's also, so, it's also not something that's incredibly popular. Like It's not an IP that's incredibly popular with like a younger generation. True. Um... Like, I know my parents read, read these novels, like, Dune, throughout their lives. Um, my mom actually said that she read it. Uh, this is going to be her third time reading it. She reads it like, almost every 20 years. Um, and so she's doing it for four years, and then I'll do that again. Um, <laughs> uh, and, it, and I don't know, I think that's a good take on it, because it, like, throughout each step of her life, she looked at things differently uh, and understood more about, like, the intricacies of this novel. And so at each point that she's read it, she's taken out a different take at it. Right. Um, so I think that's an interesting way to do it. But I am really excited for this movie. It, Trey looks awesome. Um, 
I haven't gotten a chance to see the the movie that you watched that you're talking about, um, or I guess the horror trilogy. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah, could you do me a favor real quick, Ian? Absolutely. And disconnect and reconnect. <laughs> <laughs> we did hear everything you were saying, but you're getting a little robot-y a little bit. Right. So let, let's try and see if we can fix that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such an Dune is such an interesting story, but he's actually uh, absolutely right. Dune is something that like didn't really catch on at all with our generation. Um, I don't really know. That's not true. I know one person our age that has read Dune. Um, that's it. Just one. Um, and it's really interesting because I feel like our generation has really kind of uh, shown the popularity of the these young adult heroes, young adult adaptations. And like dune feels so drastically different than a lot of those young adult adaptations and it it didn't really catch on to fall into that genre that attracted our generation i don't even think i put dune as young adult i only do it because of the protagonist sure but but a younger protagonist but typically you would want to like associate with that but i again the rest of the story doesn't really feel like a, a young young adult I feel like it does. <laughs> it, it has a lot of elements to it. There's a lot more to it than mm -hmm. that, but but I think it has a. I'll say it's a. It, it has a lot of similarities, but it's like it's one of those things that it also grows beyond the genre, um, and kind of predates the genre to begin with. But I just I just I just think it's a lot deeper than than most YA stuff. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you... also the core of the story is just hamlet right i mean <laughs> have you seen or read divergent divergent it is or drastically even... different than divergent <laughs> i i hate um, divergent but oh man those movies are not, not the greatest the movies are not good i thought the divergent books were pretty interesting uh until the last one the last one didn't do it for me i was like this is kind of lame was the last one called detergent or something like laundry detergent or <laughs> allegiant i think was there last <laughs> was one after that i don't know um but yeah the movies were horrible the they didn't embrace the philosophy i felt like the divergent books were very philosophical uh they were very easily digestible unlike dune mm -hmm. but um <laughs> But then the movies just shied away from all of that philosophical intrigue. Uh, and yeah, but Dune just did not catch on with our generation. Um, and so it will be interesting to see how it actually does, given that it has this super popular cast, lot uh, the highest quality action sequences of any Dune interpretation before. Uh, so I guess we'll have to see. I don't have too much more to say about this movie. It's it's not very good. It's not very entertaining. There are entertaining moments amidst the bad film, <laughs> but uh, there is. It's pretty bad. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we are going to move on to the movie news. But just before we do that, I want to remind everyone to rate, review, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitch.tv, slash Animus Indecision. Please do all those things so that uh, the, the podcast gets more of a following, the 
the algorithm suggested to more people. We get your feedback, uh, helps us grow the community and grow the conversation, which is what it's all about. You just want to talk about movies. And uh, the other thing uh, that I would remind you all to do is like the Facebook page, join the Facebook group uh, so that you can get notified whenever a new episode goes up. Um, I've been a little late on uploading to the podcast. I'm super busy. I keep saying it every week. Um, by next week, hopefully, things will wind down. That's the hope. Um, if it doesn't, I'm in some real trouble. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and upload the last week's podcast, though, as well as this one uh, tonight or tomorrow. Uh, but I've been saying that for a few days now and haven't got around to it. So hopefully I'll, I'll get around to it. But let's jump into the movie news, Ian. I don't know how far you are. Uh, finishing up now. Okay, uh, we can. then I will start us off, since it's something I've been talking about kind of weekly, anyways. Um, fantastic Beasts and Where... Oh. Fantastic Beasts and, <laughs> and Where to Find Them. Uh, Dumbledore. Disney, our first <laughs> article from Hollywood Reporter, is telling us, that the Disney CEO is uh, going to be, quote unquote, resetting talent deals. Um, and it's a little coincidental that it's after the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Um, kind of seems like Scarlett Johansson maybe had a point. Why else would they be resetting the deals, right? If, if they were upholding the deals, what would need to change? But... It does seem like... <laughs> There's, it, it feels very uh, roundabout way of saying uh, we're still going to fight you, but like maybe we should take, like, take a look at our. Uh... <laughs> we got to solve all the other problems that could. Right, so uh, that this will happen again. Turn this into a huge number of people suing us. Um, yeah, and there, there's been a lot of back and forth with the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Uh, and they even bring it up here that she uh, alleges that they breached her contract by releasing it on Disney Plus. Uh, Disney counters and saying that it fulfills its theatrical obligation, uh, which I believe just used the words wide release, not necessarily exclusive release was their argument. Um, and they did release Black Widow on 9,000 screens. It's pretty wide. Mm -hmm. um, and the film has outgrossed other Marvel movies. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's a fair argument necessarily. Right. It seems like, a little like... When they say other Marvel movies, do they mean other Marvel movies in the pandemic? Do they mean Ant-Man? Do they mean uh, yeah. Daredevil in 2005? Like, I don't think... Are, well, they're definitely not talking three. about Daredevil because that wasn't theirs. But... Uh, well, it just said Marvel movies. It didn't say Marvel Studios yeah, movies. But I, I think they are talking about Marvel Studios movies, which I'm sure it did, especially over some of those early ones. Mm -hmm. uh but it's like kind of i don't know comparing two movies together does like box office wise like there's so many other factors like everyone they, there's a whole like there are teams of people at studios not at studios uh producers trying to analyze how you can analyze uh trying trying to figure out how you can analyze box office receipts effectively and the problem is you just re the reality is you can never compare two movies. 
because mm-hmm. uh, the the thing is is that you always get different release weekends meaning time of year maybe holidays uh maybe uh external events such as like a pandemic uh, you have so like state of the world stuff and then you have genre stuff genre competition at the time like you can never recreate an environment for two films to come in you basically have to the closest we came to it and it didn't happen to be clear <laughs> the closest we came to almost a like perfect comparison is at one point in time, I believe Batman v Superman and Civil War were supposed to come out on the same day, <laughs> which are two very similar movies in the same genre, superheroes fighting superheroes with an external villain threat on the same exact release day to where they would see the exact same competition. And they just ended up not happening because DC moved their movie date because they knew they didn't want the competition, <laughs> which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it it almost never happens. Uh, but a lot of people try to, and this is the way that people do typically look at it is they'll look within the same franchise. And because like the, if the franchise is doing well, the movies should be doing well. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I haven't read their deals, but, um, uh, Bob Chapek did say that talent continues to be the company's most important asset uh, and defends the company's talent compensation as we always have and we will always compensate them fairly per the terms of contracts that they agreed to us with um but yeah despite that they are resetting a number of deals um right now we're in the middle of we're in sort of this middle position, he says, where we're trying to do right by the talent. And I think the talent's trying to do right by us. We're just trying to figure out how to bridge the gap. So some renegotiations are their way to bridge the gap, which I think that's the right thing to do. Renegotiate is what they should have done from the very beginning. Is what HBO Max should have done from the very beginning. And it's the reason we keep seeing lawsuits this year. <laughs> Literally... Almost, I I would wager, let's say 90% of lawsuits that happened in Hollywood this year are due to not renegotiating, to changing the terms of contract and not renegotiating. Interesting. Uh, I have... Like, it's probably an absurdly high number. Probably. Uh, I do have a little bit of a, an issue with JPEG saying the company's most important asset is its talent, considering right. it's probably their parks, actually, considering that's bringing in more revenue. Uh, it brings in revenue, more revenue, but it's also more cost. Fair. It's their most expensive <laughs> asset as well. <laughs> I mean, so. uh, Walt Disney, or Disney is the second largest uh, buyer of explosives in the, United, in the United States. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. That's crazy. Uh, behind the military. American military. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, uh, I think the part that's interesting is that he says that he def- <laughs> uh, we will compensate them fairly per the terms of the contracts that they agreed to us with. <laughs> that, <laughs> it that sounds like it's like fairly, but to the things that they signed. Which I agree. I mean, if you they, signed it, if they signed it, it is what it is. Right. But, <laughs> but it's like, 
<laughs> I mean, that's the whole idea of like reading the fine print because like if you sign something that you don't you didn't really read and then you signed away whatever, it's your fault. <laughs> it's like a very it's like almost a too accurate statement that it's like right. it's fair to the contract we agreed upon. <laughs> True. But... Uh something else is mentioned in this article. Uh so Last month, Disney secured deals with Emma Stone for Cruella 2 and Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt for Jungle Cruise 2. Right. I don't know how we're getting a Cruella 2. I don't know what we're going to be following with that. But Yeah, yeah, we, we, we had those confirmed um, shortly after those movies were released. Well, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting. Was uh, it? Was it really? No. No. We can move on from this one because I don't know what the contract actually say now, so I don't necessarily know what they're going to say later. But, I mean, obviously actors want to work, so it's going to happen. Um, and we're not talking about the um, – what did we talk about last week? What The I-A-T-S-C-S-T-E-P-A? TPA? I don't remember the acronym. But the crews of production – and we're not talking about that this week, which I guess might be a good thing that we're not talking about it because maybe that means that they're actively having conversations, right? Uh, right. With things are being resolved. Studios that things are getting solved without a strike, so production doesn't stop and people stay employed, and so hopefully things are going good for that industry, that side True. of the industry. True. Well, talking about uh, movies being made. <laughs> <laughs> talking about movies being made uh onto our next thing we have a trailer we do uh, specifically disney's Encanto. um i have i have uh, an idea of what i think this movie is going to be about uh, i'm curious what you think it's going to be like entirely like if, what the twist is whatever i'll say i haven't really thought about it that okay. much i'll also say i don't exactly know what it is but i'm not that interested <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how interested I am again. I might watch it again at some point. But what I think is going to happen, because what it seems like at least is this family is magical. The house gives them all powers, and each is so unique and individual, right. and they're all Anna and Elsa and whatnot, yeah. um, or specifically Elsa. Uh, True. But it seems like the the main character that we're following doesn't have powers. Basically, right. she's she got the human inhuman gene. She's a squib, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I think that's going to be like, because we see her mom say, oh, like, you're just as special as everyone else. And then we see that things start to go poorly and the house starts falling apart. And I believe at one point her siblings start losing their powers. And so I think her thing is, oh, like, she was without powers the entire she's time. So she's going to save the family. Siphon or something. I don't know about that. I just think that she's going <laughs> to save the family with no powers at all. And that's right. why she's special. So that, that's what I'm, I'm guessing this movie is going to be. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything too. I don't think it's going to be a siphon. I don't think it's going to be anything too like, complicated. <laughs> That's kind of lame, though. Yeah. Like, like, is it just that, like, because she's gonna she, figure out she's she gonna restore her it. whole life without powers, so she's just the tour guide for her family to live but, without. Powers? Well, because I bet she feels underappreciated when compared to like her siblings right. and whatnot. She doesn't get enough attention. So as the family members start losing their powers, they're gonna turn to her and they're like, "How do you live like this?" And she's like, I'm doing this "And don't get me wrong, her her getting her appreciation is good." And, and might be entertaining to to see that transition, but are they going to get their powers back at the end, or Very will the magic so. just be gone from this? House? It's going to end in such a depressing manner. Now they're all human, right? <laughs> oh, okay. 
No, I mean she'll probably save the magic. She'll probably save the magic and, and get everyone back. And then she'll be like, ah, actually, I don't really, I don't want magic. All as it is, like I've I've done so well with that already. I don't I don't need it. Yeah, I'm special on my own, and I feel like that's what the whole movie's gonna be. Ah, uh, the you are the secret ingredient, Poe from Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> exactly. Good story. Good story. Uh, I mean, other, aside from that, the movie looks absolutely gorgeous. Like the the visuals, the art style. Yeah, it I mean, looks great. I mean, I I think. Maybe it's wrong of me to list. say, but I kind of feel like the last few Pixar films about kind of looked the same. I think it looks good, but I think they all kind of look the same. Um, I think Soul and Luca and this all kind of look very similar. Um, to we'll also with... say that Frozen and Moana are in this same vein. Well, <laughs> it does though, feel like those, those are Disney animation, but the whole reason Disney bought Pixar in the first place was because Disney animation movies were not doing very well, despite me falling in love with those movies, uh, such as Atlantis and Treasure Planet. They were kind of going bankrupt. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic films. Love. I love the art style of that, too. They should. Yeah. And well, the whole reason they brought Pixar on was to fix Disney well, that's because, and they did. Well, that's because their 2D animation wasn't making as much money as their 3D animation was. And right. so that their 2D animation, I believe, in with Princess and the Frog. Yeah, which was very successful. It was. It very was. It was. They <laughs> ended on a high note, and I wish they'd continued, because, like, as you said, Treasure Planet was really, really good. And yeah. I wish we had an actual Atlantis 2 movie rather than what we got. <laughs> the failed TV show. The failed TV show. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Atlantis 1 is fine. <laughs> Atlantis 1 is fantastic. Uh, and Kida should be a Disney princess. <laughs> okay uh you're not wrong but okay but the movie just failed i get it i get it well i don't know i'm excited movie's coming out i think november uh, sounds right something november i don't really know um actually i'm gonna clarify that when is the the what's it called red panda red panda yeah when does that come out he's red or whatever red that's what it's called. Just uh, Encanto comes out November 24th. And when does red come out? Turning red. Turning red, that's it. We'll get there. Uh, apparently 2022. You can tell I didn't look this up. Uh, <laughs> March 11th, 2022 is when okay. it's coming out. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So Encanto's coming up. Um, Less than two months. Wow, ago. I feel like we got Turning Red. We got that trailer like pretty early then. We got it really early. I mean, not like actually, probably normal, <laughs> but early for what's lately been happening, which has been like less than three months, maybe four months right? Uh, for movies. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about Encanto that just doesn't seem that interesting. I don't know what it is. I haven't, I'm, I'm going to watch it, but it's not like hitting the right notes in, in my senses right now. But maybe as we get closer, it will. I don't know. Yeah, probably. We'll see. Uh, moving on, uh, Netflix actually released some of its numbers, surprisingly, uh, about how it sh well its shows are doing. Probably <laughs> in a bid to just get like word out there about how good some of its shows are doing. Um, specifically, its new uh, series Squid Game is on track to be its most popular series like ever. Not yeah. not like not like its current top ten list. I mean top ten. Do you ever. know what this thing is? Uh, I do not, although I had two friends today that were watching it that said, you should watch this. I was like, I don't know what this is. So also crazy, I got a text today saying I should watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never even heard of this. I don't know what yeah, you're talking same. about. 
I guess I didn't go on Netflix this week. I'm as sorry. Like, these, people, these people must scroll Netflix the way like other yeah. people scroll Facebook or something. <laughs> find the as they come out. Uh, but yeah, it says it's a, some Korean drama, and I guess it's good because everyone's watching it. <laughs> so it released uh, nine days ago, uh, apparently, and it's apparently we don't know exactly what numbers it's hitting, but according to Netflix, it's on track to hit number one of all time, like really, really fast. Yeah. Um, which is surprising considering the uh, amount of views that some of these shows have gotten these series so like bridgerton season one with 82 million lupin part one which is a really a recent french docuseries i don't know exactly sounds right 76 million the witcher season one 76 million like these are some pretty big i was watching something the other day and i saw a trailer for lupin in a uh, i was like it was one of the first few things i saw that i was like that actually looks really interesting Um, nice. I guess other people thought so too. Yeah, Winter <laughs> Season 1, I finally got around to watching that. Ah, oh, yeah, you told me you had started it, but I didn't know you yeah, finished, I finished it. Yeah, I finished it. Um, nice. Are you just and, as confused or did, it figure it out? did you figure it out? I'm more confused that it ended. Oh, it's just like, this is Season 1? Where's the rest of it? Like, It, is, did, it really did not Is that how end. Book 1 ends? If that's how Book 1 ends, it is what it is. But if oh, it's God, not how so Book wrong. 1 is, kind of a scam. Uh, I knew that it's following all the all the stories that we got uh, in season one are stories that yeah. the book had the first book had. I don't remember the exact like overarching plot for that, considering I read that in high school and I've read. Yeah, like, I think it's good. I think it's fine. I think it's entertaining. It's interesting, um, and the time jumping is fun. Uh, I'm interested that you mind. like that, despite young just. All right, but. Uh... <laughs> Uh, uh, I like it because I didn't realize it was time jumping until I was much farther along in the book. Uh, than that's I that's fair. Do. It was but a shocking aspect, yeah. And then when I put it together, I was like, oh, okay, I see how this is working now. And it was good. No, I, I thought it, the time jumping was done pretty well. It was explained pretty well. Uh, but, yeah, I was just like, how was this the end of your season? I mean, if that's and, how the book ends, I guess that's how it ends. But I was like, this isn't even like that much of a cliffhanger, but it's enough that like I just want to keep watching. I was gonna say it's enough that I want to start season two now rather than wait the two issues. It wasn't like a cliffhanger; it's just like incomplete. <laughs> that I was like, "There's obviously more to this story that is like directly after this episode." True. But uh, we're getting season two pretty pretty yeah. soon. I think isn't it December? That sounds right. November. I think, I think so. I'm not going to check that as well, but I'm pretty sure we're getting it December. Yeah. And then Sex and Life season one, 67 million. Stranger Things season three, 67 million, um, which was much better than season two. December um, 17th. Money Heist, December 17th. Nice. Money Heist part four, a 65 million. Tiger King season one, 64 million. Queen's Gambit, 62 million. Sweet Tooth season one sixty million and Emily in Paris season one fifty eight million. So a lot of things that pretty much just everyone's been talking about. Uh, Netflix only talks about things when things are doing well. <laughs> That's what I notice. <laughs> uh, I feel like it released these numbers specifically because I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true. Mostly because I thought all it was rumors are true. Uh, but Tiger King might get a season two, which is wow. mind boggling to me. Because Tiger King is kind of very much about this specific person. Who's currently not able to go out and film. Goes to jail at the end of the docuseries, pretty much. 
and he's still in jail, <laughs> as far as I know, maybe. And so I don't know if they're just gonna continue to go into more of the 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 big cats world. Well, which I, I wonder think if that side of things could continue to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if they can capture the the zeitgeist of the the raw energy that <laughs> season one provided. Probably not, because that was a major talking point. Yeah, it like, was that just entire thing dropped. Yeah, it was wild. It was crazy. It was crazy. I didn't expect to watch it. I didn't have an interest in watching it. Uh, and then uh, my roommate and I were scrolling through Netflix, and you know how Netflix gives you those like two minute trailers, and we just sat there watching it, and it was the craziest two minutes. We were like, "What else could the show be about? Like, how is there more?" This is insane. It's like every crime in the book. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Squid Game, I guess, is doing very successful that it's on track. I wish we they would tell us how close. I wish they would tell us what the track is uh, <laughs> so that we could learn more about things. Uh, right. But I mean, the fact that you and I, separate from this article, had three different people suggest it to us means that it is getting out there. It is, it is. Uh, <laughs> and it seems like it, that really works to Netflix's advantage because we talk about things that, like, you get more, like, if it's if they release week to week, you get talking points week to week. Netflix is really all about that, just drop everything in one. But when that happens, you get, like, a lot of numbers coming really fast. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if I had two people tell me, and I'm probably not going to watch this, I'm really not going to use will. Netflix. I, think I don't really use Netflix that much. much. Um, but so I probably won't, but if like, I got two people telling me to do this, I imagine the, all the other people that are told to go watch this right. and a lot of them are going to considering like you, especially are going to do as well. So, yeah, I still don't, I, I just don't. want you to know that you're contributing to it. If it makes first place, you're contributing. If it's okay. your fault. I, if it's good, I, I'm glad I contributed. Oh, I'm just going to blame you. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I still like the week-to-week releases better. I think the thing that the Netflix model gives a chance to is if episode one isn't that good. Because episode two's right there. Mm-hmm. And maybe episode two's really good or something. Whereas in a traditional TV show, maybe everyone's already fallen off after the first episode. It's also possible. Uh, but Netflix, maybe they're more willing to give it a chance because it's just all right there. And Netflix is... is- uh, commonly been used as just like a put on the background kind of thing so and if that happens you put on episode right. one or whatever and then, and then you actually start to like it and then you're in it for the long haul that's also true i still stand by the weekly to re- weekly release because even though you really like the witcher when's the last time you talked about the witcher specifically the tv show the tv show probably a month ago a month ago was it to yeah. me no <laughs> to, that i was watching it that was more uh, no, it wasn't to you. I was talking with. I think I was talking. No, I was talking to someone who was playing The Witcher video games, and then okay. was talking about the show itself. So I was talking. About okay, so I guess there's that aspect about it, but it's like without the separate IP that exists there for The Witcher, right? You wouldn't be. Otherwise, talking I wouldn't. About it. I wouldn't be talking about it. Like, now. Yeah, it had already come and gone when season two comes around. I'll talk yeah. season two and right. the little season, but yeah, in the, yeah. In the interim, because that's kind of what I thought about Stranger Things when Stranger Things uh, season three came out. Mm-hmm. Is season three came out? Um, I think it was my last semester of college. I could be wrong. 
Um, and I remember I was talking, one of my friends was like, Hey, have you seen stranger things? Like you just came out and I was like, Oh, the new season's out. I'll have to go watch it. So we talked about it that day to go watch it. We talked about it the next day because we had a couple episodes to talk about it. We talked about it the following day to talk about a few more episodes and then the following day. So that's now day four to talk about the ending of it because we watched about three or four episodes each day. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're. Able and to then we never events. talked about it again. <laughs> <laughs> not even a little bit. Not to reference it. Not anything. We talked about it for four days straight while we were watching it, and then never talked about it again. That is a show I probably want to. So I, I've only seen it once at this up to this point. I do yeah. probably want to rewatch it before season two comes out, just so I can get a refresher on things. Uh, the Witcher. Yeah. Yeah, The Witcher. Um, sorry if you were talking about um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stranger Things. Stranger my bad. Things. Yeah. Um, I do. I watched season one. As far as I got, season two is not that good. Uh, I didn't even try to start watching season two. I didn't. I didn't like start it and give up. I just never, <laughs> just never got to it. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I, it's good to hear that some Netflix stuff is is doing really well. Um, I let me know how it goes, and if you can, if you really like it, maybe I'll be convinced and, and I'll watch it. Yeah. These these are big numbers. But th it's these kinds of numbers that really frustrate me. Um, this is these are not financial comments. These are just financial observations mm -hmm. uh, about Netflix being valued at like twice the worth of Disney, which blows my mind. And every time I talk about it, it blows my mind, and I don't understand it one bit. And when I see numbers like this. It goes even more so to it because it's like, you're right. Netflix does have more subscribers and they're, they're watching the shows less than Disney subscribers are. Disney subscribers are hitting our Disney TV shows are hitting higher numbers than Netflix are with less subscribers, which is a higher percentage of the, of the subscribers. Meaning that once they get the subscribers up, they'll potentially still, they'll have even double i don't know the viewership but and, and so it, it's one of those things that like when i see these numbers that oh their best show had 82 million i was like dude we were talking about wandavision having like 80 million like <laughs> and that one got surpassed by two shows um that's true that's true so it's like but also <laughs> again i think there's a little bit of like if no, they're I don't get it <laughs> I mean, WandaVision had 23 movies before it to, to really hype up like people who would potentially want to go see it. Bridgerton's um, popular IP, isn't it? Is it? I've never heard of it. I thought it was. It might be. I, I just don't. I'm not in that circle of whatever. But um, I've never heard of it. If we're talking about these lists real quick. Uh, again, I'm not the... The I am Witcher's not. kind of popular. <laughs> the only things that I've heard of ever talked about on this, I've heard of The Witcher. I've heard of Stranger Things. I've heard of Tiger King and I've heard of the Queen's Gambit. I've heard those and then Bridgerton and Sweet Tooth as well. Okay, so I've heard of four things. You've heard of six on the top yeah. 10 most watched things on Netflix. Yeah, but I have seen trailers for Lupin. Okay. Uh, well, that yeah. was fun. Uh, we can move along to the next article. Uh, talking I, about... I guess we will. I guess we will. <laughs> um, this blows my mind. So... Uh, we're getting another Super Mario Bros. movie. 
With the original cast. The original live act? No. Uh, it's going to be animated. Uh, I sure hope it's animated. Uh, yes, it's animated. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, we're going to get an animated Super Mario Bros. movie, but it has an all-star voice cast uh, with Keegan-Michael Key, Chris Pratt, uh, Seth Rogen, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, let's see who else is in here. Uh, Seth Charlie Rogen, Ray. Fred Armisen, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. Yeah. Um, so many people. Uh, I think this, first off, there's a, uh, a sentence I'm just going to read to you. I think it's very funny. Uh, it says, Anya Taylor-Joy will play Princess Peach, the royal blonde who has inspired millions of Halloween costumes. I got a good <laughs> laugh out of that. Um, but, I mean, this is this is really cool. Uh, this has an all-star voice cast. Uh, there's a little bit of conspiracy right now for Chris Pratt take, having the role of Mario and for him taking that. Uh, there's, like, fans are div uh, divided on that, and he actually released a video, I think, on Instagram. Yeah, he did. Um, about that. And apparently he's been a uh, Mario fan for longer than any of us realized. Yeah, I mean, everyone's a fan of the video game that they're acting in. True, true. <laughs> uh, although he, like, told a story about when he was a kid. He yeah. went to this, like, um, uh, fountain. It was an arcade, stole, yeah. arcade, yeah. Well, he stole, like, coins out of a fountain or something and went yeah. to an arcade to play yeah. Mario. Um, I don't know, this is really cool. They've got some, like, uh, some other characters I wasn't expecting. So Crazy Kong is, or Cranky Kong's making it in. This film, uh, Kamek, if I'm pronouncing that probably incorrectly, which is uh, commonly referred to as the PlayStation Wizard, if you if you watch um, Super Mario Maker one or two, uh, and then Sebastian Meniscalco, I pronounce that horribly, is as Spike. So wow, there are some some deeper cuts deeper here. Cuts. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, this movie Where, is set for boom though. <laughs> <laughs> the OG. True, true. All right, I just need to know who is playing Shadow Mario from Super Mario Sunshine. Well, Chris Pratt. Maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but so this movie is set uh, to roll out in theaters uh, December 21st. I would actually want it to be. Uh, I don't know why I thought about this, but just because okay. it's Chris Pratt's father in law, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, actually, sorry, I just remembered. So uh, the people who are. Talking about like, hey, Chris Pratt shouldn't be Mario, uh, as a like write-in, or rather like as as an alternative. People were trying to get Danny DeVito to, to voice the role. What? Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not against it. I'm also not against Chris Pratt either. But it's like, I, oh, Charlie Day as well. Charlie Day is another person. I thought all the the suggestions, all the purpose of the suggestions was to get someone who's italian i would have thought so is too. danny devito italian i don't think so <laughs> i think it's because he's a meme he is a meme and i would appreciate it for the meme but i i don't i don't know i don't i don't really care i don't actually when i think of mario and i play mario i'm i'm not that conscious a about him being a plumber and i'm also not that conscious about him being italian that just doesn't come into my frame of mind. <laughs> like, yes, I get it. All the lines are kind of with a crude Italian accent. But, but it's like, I don't know. I just don't think about So me, it's like, it's just a character. So the other people, the other friend. name that was being called out, and I think this would actually make more sense, would be Charles Martinet. Or Martinet. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I don't know who that is. Uh, he has voiced Mario in every video game since the yeah. 90s he right he's i think ex except yeah. for the, the i think except for the uh 
like Mario poker game where it's just some dude in a very gruff voice with a very gruff voice. Yeah. But that is an old, old game. But yeah, I, I would think that like he would get the role because his voice is the most iconic of anything. I think the main reason to not though is that unless there's Mario properties that I'm not thinking of, all Mario says are catchphrases. Oh no, there's more. Is there like, more? Um, there's a where, couple games where, where is there like at real dialogue? Um, the Mario RPG. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I've never played that, so I guess that um, there's um, I think there's a couple others, but uh, it's it's definitely not common for him to speak. He's usually a more silent type. Because that's um, my my only thing is that like literally in all the video games, I think only Peach really talks, right? Like Peach talks the most out of anyone. I think, and I think Anya Taylor Joel do do a good uh, Peach. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great casting. I'm all for that. Um, but. That, that's my only qualm with saying like sure it would be nice to have the same voice actor and whatnot but it's kind of like apples and oranges like one was fair. only catchphrases and this is like a whole movie <laughs> true um, like none of those catchphrases are very dramatic you know <laughs> whereas chris pratt has played dramatic roles before <laughs> Uh, I believe it's um... and not to say that this I get it, it's a video game movie. It's not gonna be the most dramatic thing ever, but there will be that one dramatic moment, just like in the Sonic movie that you do need Ben Schwartz's voice to hit the correct inflection in that one moment. Otherwise, it's just a joke. <laughs> true, true. Very true. Um, I, I do. So this is the first video game movie really since Sonic. Uh, and Sonic was the first video game movie to do well ever. Detective Pikachu. I mean, de okay, Detective Pikachu. Um, and I still, I still liked uh, the most recent Tomb Raider, uh, but it didn't do incredibly well at the box office. Um, the Witcher. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe the video game curse is broken for the most part. Um, <laughs> I gotta tell you though, the thing that I really like about the Chris Pratt casting more than anything else is a Chris Pratt Ben Schwartz team up. I'm into comedy geniuses right there yeah we can have chris pratt and ben schwartz at the olympic games yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> uh, uh so this movie is being directed by aaron horvath and michael Michelinek, who uh previously collaborated on teen titans go and teen titans go to the movies yikes so it's gonna be awful wow now that okay all right well uh, and chances in Hollywood. That's what they say, right? Uh, and the script is from Matthew Fogel, who uh, worked on the Lego Movie 2, the second part, and the upcoming Illumination okay. title, Minions, The Rise of Gru. So, okay. do with that what you will. A lot of talent here. Uh, I never saw the Lego Movie 2. I think I own it, though. Um, <laughs> I never saw it either. I hope it was good. Uh, I have seen bits and pieces of Teen Titans Go, and I am not impressed. Uh, and I don't think Teen Titans Go to the movies did very well, even though it, it did bring back like some of the original characters a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't give me much hope. Um, but I do like all of the cast members. Uh, I think they're all terrific actors. I'm super excited for Jack Black to be Bowser. <laughs> um, Charlie Day and Chris Pratt to be the dynamic duo. Uh, of Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. That's correct. Um, 
Who's Keegan Michael Key playing again? I don't remember. Uh, he is playing. He's in this also. Oh, he's uh, he, he's playing Toad. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I don't hate that. I think that could be I really can, good. I can see it. I can see it. We'll I've already see. seen some memes about it. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be a silly movie, no matter what. Hopefully, it's a good movie. Yes, agreed. Anything else you wanna? Uh, no, we can move on from Super Mario Bros. The greatest sequel of all time. True. Uh, True so sequel? You think? No. <laughs> maybe it's a it's a, a sequel in spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've got a Babylon Five reboot in the works at CW, uh, which apparently the original series was like in the eighties, nineties, eighties or nineties. Ninety-three. Uh, yeah. Uh, aired in ninety-three. Uh, I there's a couple things in this article that are really funny. First off, there's a single sentence that says the CW is heading to space. And I think a couple couple episodes of Legends Tomorrow might um, <laughs> beg to differ. That's not the CW. <laughs> <laughs> the CW doesn't acknowledge their adopted child. True. Um, so the original creator is coming back to pen the script. Uh, Jerry Michael Straczynski. That's really cool. I do really like it when when creators. I hope it's not a reboot then. I hope it's a sequel. Oh, it's a reboot. It's a reboot. Uh, it is, where is it? I highlighted it. I didn't okay. highlight it. That's unfortunate. Um, so basically this new take is going to revolve around John Sheridan, uh, an Earth Force officer with a mysterious background who is assigned to Babylon 5, a five-mile-long space station in neutral space, a port of call for travelers, smugglers, corporate explorers, and alien diplomats at a time of uneasy peace and the constant threat of war. His arrival triggers a destiny beyond anything he could have imagined as an exploratory Earth company accidentally triggers a conflict with a civilization a million years ahead of us, putting Sheridan and the rest of the B-5 crew in the line of fire as the last best hope for the survival of the human race. That was very long-winded. It sounds um, like it could be a sequel series. I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, Well, I mean, uh, the character of John Sheridan was originally played by Bruce Boxleitner. Oh, it's so. the exact same character? Okay. Yeah. That's disappointing. All right. I thought they were new characters. Um, I got to tell you, though, I, I think this is cool. Um, and like you said, the original creator coming back is good. Mm -hmm. um, I got to tell you, though, last night, because after watching Dune this last weekend, yeah, um, and I've been playing this space video game, I've had a real hankering for sci-fi adventures. Mm -hmm. So and you rewatch Sunshine. And no, good sight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Sunshine was good. But, uh, and so I had a real hankering for sci fi adventures. And so, uh, and I knew I didn't want to watch something that, like, I guess was newer. So I was looking at older stuff and I came this close to watching Babylon 5. I clicked play. And then I walked out of the room to go to the bathroom, came back and decided to watch Battlestar Galactica. Nice. That bathroom break changed my mind somehow. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I was just like, the other one sounded more interesting. <laughs> well, this is actually a bigger like IP than I realized. Um, because, it? so yeah, so this launched um, a movie in 1993, uh, where after that, um, Warner Brothers picked up the series and it ran for five seasons with a total of 110 episodes. Um, it spawned a spinoff uh, as well as seven feature length movies. 
Uh, yeah, so this is, as well as an extended series of novels, short stories, and comics, among other revenue-generating streams. So this is actually a really big franchise. That yeah, I, just I feel like of. there's a lot of opportunity for them to. I I don't want I don't want reboots though. I want sequel series. So so this isn't exactly what I want. I mean, maybe Babylon Five didn't end super good, so maybe a reboot's okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, I want sequel series to Babylon Five, even though I haven't seen it. And I'm gonna say these other ones, even though I haven't seen everything related to them. Sequel stuff to Babylon 5, sequel stuff to uh, Battlestar Galactica, because I watched the two miniseries kind of prequel. They're not really prequel stuff. They're they're like, I guess they were the first things, like the pilot, but there's okay. like three hours of a pilot. Um, and then I started the actual show, and it's super good and super interesting. Um, so I want sequel series to Babylon 5, Battlestar Galactica, and then I think they actually are making a sequel series to this third one um, or just more because it's kind of turned into an anthology at this point, which is Stargate. Okay. Um, and I feel like there's so much room in those, like they're all so different from each other and they're so different from Star Trek that uh, they can still run these. And the reason I say just different than Star Trek rather than Star Wars is because Star Wars is very fantastical. Whereas all of these are very uh, rooted in earth sciences, um, even if it does have FTL travel, but uh, or interdimensional travel in Stargate, I guess, e even though they do have FTL, they, they all kind of fall into that category of very scientific and science based. Uh, the thing that I really like about Battlestar Galactica so far is it's also very government oriented, very militaristic. Whereas uh, Star Trek was very like adventure, uh, which I think was fun for Star Trek, but it's cool to see a little different uh, against the Cylons. It's very interesting. Interesting. Um, it's also a lot more hardcore than I thought it would be. This is turning <laughs> into a Battlestar Galactica review. <laughs> in in the episode one of the TV show, one of the Cylons snaps a baby's neck. <laughs> like an infant i was like i was like i feel gross for watching this like this this is so uncomfortable like, i was like man they're they are monsters kill the silos <laughs> uh, i was like that was a quick way to get me on the sides of the humans <laughs> uh, i'll check it out no cylon empathy for me uh, but yeah, uh, Babylon Five, cool. Sure. Uh, uh, it I does mean, sound. That, I gotta tell you though, the description of Babylon Five does sound super interesting. The this one spaceship that's just kind of this like, it's it's almost like uh, a a a bazaar, like a market, you know. It does where that way. people <laughs> are just. It's just this massive trading post that people are coming in and going out, and it's so big. It's basically a city of its own. True. And so it's just uh, uh, full faction chaos in there. I, uh, I haven't. I think some city planners might have issue with your five mile long city. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a city that's trying to be built in the Middle East right now called the Line, which is a very similar thing. It's an entire city, not being built in, on like one line, uh -huh. and it's it's receiving a lot of backlash considering how effective it is. I mean, there's Three Mile uh, Island. 
it wasn't the sewer. But I was just like, mm, there's probably better, more circular ways to, to do a city. Like that's why cities are generally relatively circular, you know, throughout all of history. But yeah, I mean, I know. <laughs> definitely for like, I think the whole reason is defense, right? Well, I mean, that's just, I guess, but even in a, like post defense times, as you're people are going to the city and they start moving outward and outward. You don't move out. Right. You could get follow geography. Why you follow geography for like a, against like a cliff or something. And then after that, it just like radiates outward in circles. Yeah. It's just, it's just the I guess you happens. can favor the road a little bit. Sure. More. I don't know. Who a more ellipsoidal. <laughs> what do we got next? Uh, we've got uh, a gladiator sequel coming out. Well, we have an update about it. It's not coming out yet. Uh, remember that movie that came out in like 2000? Yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. We're getting a sequel 22-ish years later. And it was awesome? <laughs> uh, it hopefully will be. Uh, so Ridley Scott's actually writing the script, which is surprising. Again, this is another thing about like original creator coming back to like work on a sequel or work on uh, a project that's back in the back in limelight. Yeah. Uh, so he says that he will begin working on this uh, after he finishes his Napoleon drama uh, kit back. So after that, the next thing that he's working on is Gladiator 2. Um, really cool. Uh, so the sequel was originally announced in November of 2018, and it's slipping to follow Lucius, the son of uh, Lucilla and Joaquin Phoenix. Well, Connie Nielsen's Lucilla and nephew of Joaquin Phoenix's uh, Commodus. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Uh, I mean, at least it's following a character that we're gonna know or we know like the lineage of so turning a it, little bit robotic but i think you're oh, still good happens. right now um well we'll make well. do uh yeah i gotta tell you i don't think anyone would have an interest in this if it wasn't ridley scott coming back because uh, <laughs> the first one's so good and so contained that like we don't need to go back to that world Mm -hmm. um it's just an awesome story but hey if he could do it twice go for it ridley True. scott is one of the greatest storytellers we've got going so mm -hmm. yeah more power to him and writing the screenplay is peter craig who did top Gun maverick and is doing or did do the batman two movies we don't know how they are <laughs> yep um yeah cool uh let's see yeah uh Ridley Scott also has a movie coming out relatively soon, uh, which is The House of Gucci. Yeah. Um, starring Lady Gaga and Adam Driver and Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, and a lot of big names, which is coming out I think, in November. So, yeah. He's, uh, he's got a busy slate right now. I feel like at one time Ridley Scott was supposed to be working on some alien TV show for Hulu. I think you're right. Was that not Ridley Scott? I don't know. I thought he was working on it with Noah Hotley or whatever the heck his name is, the guy who did Legion. Um, mm. And oh, yes. the main reason I was excited for that was the fact that Ridley Scott was attached to it. And then was it just Ridley Scott's like production company, but not actually him? Is that what I'm learning? Maybe. Uh, the, la the most recent article I can find about it is July 1st. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Man, okay. Well, I'd rather have alien movies than TV shows, anyways. <laughs> Fair. Um, I don't necessarily need a horror TV show. I'm fine <laughs> with the horror movie. 
true. I want the conclusion, you know. Oh man, this next oh, dude, this next article has me okay. so flustered. What, what do we got uh, next? There are so many spelling errors in this article. Is there? Yeah. I don't know. What's so uh, Andor is um, well, Andor star. So uh, Diego Luna, is that right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So he's saying that we're going to see some familiar faces uh, in the end in the Rogue One prequel show Andor. Uh, or if you what they call it like the article does rouge one <laughs> because every single time I, I think almost every single time it, it says rouge not rogue that's funny um, so yeah we're gonna see some familiar faces we're, uh, we know so far that we're gonna see Forrest Whitaker's Saw Guerrero also misspelled uh, we're gonna see Stellan Skarsgård apparently at least one he's gonna be at least one scene uh, Alan Tudyk is returning to play K2SO although he'll appear in the later part of the series rather than like the he's not gonna be in the beginning episodes. Um, who else were you getting? Uh, Adria Arjona, Fiona Shaw, Denise Go, Kyle Soller, and Genevieve O'Reilly are also set to star in it. Genevieve O'Reilly is Mon Mothman now. That sounds familiar. And or IMDb. I mean, I would expect Mon Mothma to be in the movie, in the TV show. Uh, yes, Mama. Yeah, yeah, she is. Okay. Uh, yeah, cool. I would, I would expect for that. Get Bella Organa back too. Sure, why not? You know, cool. Uh, the show is expected to premiere sometime in early 2022, so not too far away, actually. And, and the first season will consist of 12 episodes, so we already know that ahead of time. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, that is. That will be the longest season of a Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Oh, live action. Oh, well, they spelled real live action here. premium. <laughs> True. Uh, cool. That cast sounds very exciting. I wonder what Stellan Skarsgård is going to do. Uh, apparently, well, so there's a couple of things. So he said that he got star in one scene alongside Whitaker. So we'll we'll see him in that. But apparently, he's also set to star in the series. So it's not just going to be like a. I hope he's an alien. I feel like Stellan Skarsgård would want to be an alien. Well, Stellan Skarsgård is, is an alien already, so like it would only make sense to. He's awesome. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's exciting to hear more about stuff coming on Star, uh, Star Wars land because we know like Book of Boba Fett's coming out. We've got Mandalorian season three, uh, and then so it's just really interesting to hear about these other shows. When does Andor come out? Uh, it's now coming out, and you just told you uh, it is uh, early twenty twenty two. Early 2022. That is the words used. That are. What's the difference between that and Obi Wan Kenobi's release of early 2022? <laughs> uh, they're both releasing early 2022. They'll release the same early 2022. Okay, sure. I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> don't answer for that. Cool. Uh, moving along, although sticking with the Disney side of things, uh, we have a book of Boba Fett uh, release date on Disney Plus, which is really exciting. Cool. What um, time? It is going to be December 29th. Nice. Okay. Right at the end of the year. <laughs> okay. Fall has turned into the last day of the year almost. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. They, uh, you know, just giving a couple more, couple more months to finish everything up. Um, oh, that's exciting. So, so this specifically says that, like, um, oh, where is it? Uh, in the series, look at the room. 
legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shand are navigating the galaxy's underworld when they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim once ruled by Jabba and his crime syndicate. So I don't know if we're going to need a little bit more traveling or if it's just going to start not there. Maybe it was talking about their travels from um, Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. But um, this is exciting. We get to see more, like, Jabba's palace is iconic. So it'll be really cool to see, recognize what we've seen like, for the past 40 years. And what happens with years. that power vacuum? And True. True. I mean, Jabba's, the, the Hutt clan have been in charge of Tatooine for probably millennia, but Jabba the Hutt himself has been in charge of Tatooine for hundreds of years. <laughs> for like most of wow. his life. So interesting. Uh, so, man, I didn't think they lived that long. Yeah, Jabba the Hutt was 600 years old or something. Man, I feel bad yeah, for know, uh, he was 600. Yeah. I feel bad for his cousin, brother, whatever from the Visions episode because he's going to live all of his band members by centuries. <laughs> yep. He's going to have so many bands in his lifetime. Well, he won't have to live that long. I mean, because. Uh, I mean, Jabba won't, Jabba won't be hunting him in 40 years. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. But we've got Tamir Murray uh, returning to his role, as well as Ming Now Wen returning as Fennec Shand. Yep. Really glad to see that. Um, I otherwise don't know what else is going to happen in the show. It's going to be pretty exciting. All right. Let's move on then. True, true. Do we know? Do we have any other news? Not necessarily when it comes out, but do we know anything else about um, the Obi Wan Kenobi show? Hayden Christensen's in it. Cool. Happy. Um, all right. So uh, let's go over to Marvel for a bit. Uh, this one's really interesting. And I didn't really understand it until I read this article. But uh, So Eternals is uh, rated M in Russia. Yeah, so different countries rated, well, different... Uh, not rated M, except for video games, but it's it's getting a mature rating. Rated R, I think. Um, yeah, so different countries have different uh, rating schemes. Um, or what they... Uh, yeah, I guess it's rating scheme. Whatever they're yeah, rated, a movie um, for all kinds of things. I mean, even in the United States, we have different rating systems for different forms of media. Uh, but... Basically, Eternals um, is uh, likely getting a PG-13 rating in the United States, which is... I think it already has one. It's rated PG-13 for fantasy violence, fantasy violence and action, some language, and brief sexuality. Yeah, and um, so that's pretty interesting, uh, given that most of the other Marvel... Well, what Marvel movies aren't pg-13 are none of them pg-13 because like i don't know um, um while you're well that up, at I least know. in well i know at least in russia they've been made different years so like most of the films have been 16 plus and then like avengers and spider-man far from home was 12 plus yeah so like that that kind of makes sense that 16 plus or something um depending on what their rating schemes are but yeah russia is giving it 18 plus um and the truth is it might have nothing to do with the movie <laughs> um russia uh from a at least from a cinema standpoint i don't i don't know how they're politically i have no idea 
but uh, the Russian cinema authorities are much stricter on um, homosexuality in uh, film. And so there's a lot of, given that one of these characters is part of the LGBT community, uh, one of the members of the Eternals, it's part of the LGBT community. Uh, it's likely that Russia's tough rating is because of that and not actually anything to do with the movie. Uh, yeah, there was a, a uh, law passed in 2013 that basically trying to keep um, homosexual themes out of movies or like out of children's hands in, in if, to say it in a, a bad way, I yeah. guess. I don't know how to say that better. Yeah. But um, I don't know, that, that law has been basically um, looked down upon by most of the, the world, but it's still a law. And so with that in mind, there's a, apparently there's a, a, a kiss between two guys in this film, uh, two, it's, it's a family and they have a, a yeah. kid. Uh, but apparently it's a kiss between them, and I think that is what's, what set off the sensor here. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I, that's very – so I guess we learned something about Russia today. Uh, t today I learned. Uh, but, yeah. I don't think Russia is the biggest um, like box office. box office, so I don't know if that's going to affect too much. Um, but – yeah good on them for being stuck in the past <laughs> uh but yeah uh, eternals yeah. is currently set for release on november 5th so we don't have too much of a wait uh it's just barely over a month actually which is exciting yeah um it it's just weird to me i guess like yeah to rate a movie based on like to on something that you could literally take apples and oranges of like are you do you, are you just against kissing in movies in general? No, that's not it. <laughs> like, I mean, you could definitely play that game with them, and then you'd eventually get out like, no, it's right. too bad he's kissing. But... <laughs> yeah, and and it's like, why not just make strict rules in general? Why not do that? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not the, against strict sexual rules in general. Go for go for that. They but, listen. Russia's going to be missing out. Most of Russia, most of Russia. The the kids in Russia are going to be missing out on what hopefully will be a good movie. Um, I still have, I'm still holding out. Not holding out. I still have a little bit of doubt. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, t talk online. Um, about maybe this being the longest Marvel movie ever, which I think is crazy because there's a three-hour one that involves sixty heroes. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't. Is this pushing more than three hours? Do we have a runtime so, for this? So I doubt it'll be the longest. I don't think we do yet. Um, but I doubt it'll be the longest. Early and reports could be the second longest MV, second MCU longest, film, okay. right, right behind Avengers Endgame. Yeah, so maybe it's like two and a half hours long, which isn't crazy in my opinion according to the russian film distribute distributor bulletin uh with then it's just name uh, eternals is listed at 156 minutes which is two and two hours and 36 minutes yeah two and a half hours which actually pushes it past uh, infinity war which is 149 minutes interesting yeah so but that's not crazy to me to me two and a half hours are very reasonable yeah uh, that's not that's not and I, that actually makes me happy that's longer considering they were kept telling us that eternals is the seven thousand year journey 
And a lot of the stuff we see are clip shows of that 7,000 year journey. And then most of the stuff being in present time. And so I was like, are we not spending much time on this journey? Right. <laughs> uh so i hope we spend more time on the journey aspect of it because that's what they, they were telling me it was and i was getting a little hype about that about that different feel of a movie that's uh, true so i hope so it'll also be interesting for being pg-13 um because of its sexual content uh like <laughs> i guess iron man was a paramount movie but uh <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Cool. Uh, true. True. Uh, well, that's not the only controversy uh, regarding Marvel characters right now or Marvel's property. Uh, Marvel has been in a, a lawsuit for a little bit, trying to hold on to their characters, and this is not the lawsuit involving a certain Black Widow star. Uh, this is this is a different lawsuit uh, with the heirs and um, the heirs of like a. Jack Kirby, um, Steve Ditko, and whatnot, and their property. Property's not the right word. I don't know what it is. Basically, yeah, creations. Yeah. Well, their heirs are suing, saying, hey, like, we should. So, have... so their heirs aren't suing. No, Disney not. is suing their heirs. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. No, no, no. no. Disney is suing them kind of preemptively. So after reading a little bit about that, I can understand why it seems kind of the blue, but uh, uh, there is a law that states that after a certain period of time, like an heir of a, a creator can sue to get back their like family's creation after a, a set number of time has passed. Um, and it looks like a lot of the Marvel stuff is falling into that now. Yeah. So basically in this next five years, next decade, Pretty much everything that was created in the 60s, uh, more or less, um, is reaching that time period of expiration date where the, the copyright would return to the original authors slash authors heirs. Uh, a lot of the original authors are dead, so the heirs. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, basically... All the heirs need to do, all the, the original creators need to do notice is, termination. is file a notice of termination, and it just becomes theirs at the, at the end date. There, there's not really anything Disney can do. That, that's, the, that's the law. However, obviously, Disney, the mouse, isn't going to let that happen. The mouse is, has, a, has 23 movies and counting, 24 movies and counting, and a billions of dollar franchise with billions of dollars of merch. Uh, they're not going to go quiet into the night letting go of this, this letting go a little, little Spider Man, little Iron Man over there. They're, Basically, they're not going to be letting go of them. Uh, so they're suing all these creators. Uh, basically, saying that it's still being actively developed that the the copyright should stay with it and that there's there's also multiple claims of creation because it was created under marvel is wasn't well really not necessarily created under marvel but created as um like there's a thing saying um uh work work made for hire yeah directly under their it's control like contracted labor yeah right it's not a character that like you made and then we purchased like you right yeah um honestly you, you made it as an employee you didn't become an employee because of the character 
So this lawsuit back and forth kind of thing really feels like its own, like this deserves its own docuseries or whatever, because uh, Marvel's not the first one to deal with this. Uh, DC had to deal with this a couple years ago. Uh, and so there, let's see. Um, uh, so DC stayed up to her nation by counterclaiming. Okay, so the guy, um, the heirs of the comic book creators, at least for the Marvel side, is being, they're being represented by Mark Toberoff. He uh, previously rep represented the Superman creators, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, in an unsex unsuc unsuccessful termination against DC. So the exact same issue. So literally, right. this guy did, did um, like, the, this estate was uh, claiming against DC, so they noticed the termination, they want the rights to the characters, and they want a part of the, the money. And so Tobaroff was hired, and he didn't win. And the guy that he lost against is now working for Marvel, more like Marvel's lawyers hired him. Yeah. And so it's the same uh, two people. It's the exact same two people on yeah. both sides. So it really feels like a arguing rematch. the same case again for a different company. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. I, but we know the the earliest. So if Marvel does lose this, uh, the earliest thing that would happen is. Uh, in June of 2023, Marvel would lose the rights to Spider-Man. And they wouldn't... Here's the interesting thing, though. Well, they'd have to share. They wouldn't lose they the rights. They don't lose it entirely for any of the characters. They'd have to co-share. Share the rights. And Marvel's all about that control, all about all about that. Uh, I mean, Kevin Feige decanonized everything he didn't have control over, so very much the Disney way. Um mm -hmm. Disney loves to have its control. Also, ownership of rights means ownership of money, of revenue. Uh, so obviously, they don't want to share that that green with anyone. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, given that there's kind of the precedent of the DC one, I have a feeling it'll just follow the same pattern. Uh, but I don't think that MCU is actually in any danger, despite what all these articles say. Um, I think, I, I think those creators and those heirs will want the MCU to continue so that they can get their percentage points of, of that revenue. <laughs> True. Uh, um, but they will have all of a sudden they'll have some say that's the, that's the additional thing though, is with the ownership of the rights, you don't just get, uh, the, some, re some of the revenue, you also get some of the influence of the ownership. And so. They're not. They're they're fighting uphill to to claim these characters because uh, this this lawsuit is focusing on something that's referred to as the Marvel method, uh, which is basically a, a loose collaborative working atmosphere where initial ideas were briefly discussed with artists responsible for taking care of the details. Basically, get them in a room, say, "Hey, we want to do this." They go out and make it for the company. Oh, uh, so um, which person actually created? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> but the reason that this is kind of an issue is because this Marvel method, Marvel method in quotes was the subject of a previous lawsuit back in 2011 uh, over the character of Ghost Rider. Because the creator of Ghost Rider back in the 70s heard that a movie was being made and said, hey, you can't do this. I stole in the character. And then took Marvel to, to, um, right. to court over it. And he lost because the judge said that he gave over the rights to the character back in the 70s. Um, well, so yeah, like, it kind of seems like a lot of the precedent points that against the, the heirs or the creators. Um, right. Um, and again, with Tobaroff, the guy who's representing the, the, the heir's estate, uh, again, represented the estate of Jack Kirby um, about a, 10 years ago, again, over a, a termination uh, claim of Spider-Man, the X-Men, the Incredible Hulk, and the Mighty Thor. 
Uh, and in 2013, the Court of Appeals said that a lower court's ruling determined that they, like Kirby's estate couldn't wrestle back the characters. So like, th this is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. It's not the second time it's happened. Um, and Toporov doesn't have a good history, like a winning history about this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. He has a history of being he might these be an cases, expert but... at it, but it's a losing battle. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just something interesting that's come in the news this past week. It probably won't amount to anything. I mean, it'll amount to something, but uh, there we, we probably won't see a change anywhere uh, from like the common man side of things. I do have one last thing to state, which I think is rather important. Okay. Uh, the termination provisions of copyright law about these characters only apply in the United States, meaning that they would only have to share revenue oh, interesting. in the United States. Literally the rest of the world would still be Marvels. Interesting. That's so it, interesting. yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's something else as well. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about, learn something even additional just now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is funny that the two lawyers are suing each other the movie i really want to be made is just a documentary about marvel in general uh from its inception from the stan lee days the jack kirby days and then go into the sell-off the bankruptcy i mean that's a ways out there's a lot in between there but but like the the major sell-off the bankruptcy that they nearly went to and then the the failed movies the failed tv show everything that they were trying to do that there was just one failure after another and then eventually get into the mcu and keep going with it and go to the success of the mcu and then culminating in this stuff and like i would love to see a series or a short miniseries or whatever uh revolving around the early time of uh, stan lee uh, with like with his wife because for the longest time when Stanley was writing like characters, he absolutely hated and wanted to give up. He wasn't doing well financially. He was, he was ready to give up. And his wife said, like, like, no, like these characters that you write are incredible. Go back and try one more time. And so he went back and wrote the Fantastic Four, Marvel's first family, and it was incredibly successful. And so and he for his entire life gave his wife the most credit for any like the reason that he was so successful, the reason all of his characters were so, were so successful was because of his wife. And I think that's like the sweetest thing. And so I would love to see that. I would love to learn more about that story. Yeah, we'll get that movie. There's no way we don't. Absolutely. Um, all right. Was that our last article? That was, I oh, lost that was our last article. How about it? We did it. Breezed through them. All righty. What the heck is next week? Uh, Venom. No way. Venom comes out tomorrow, dude. Venom comes out tomorrow. Yeah, uh, October 1st, and then, you know, like, the 8 p.m. premiere. All right, Venom 2 next week. Also, Mini Saints of Newark comes out. I'm going to try to watch both, although, like I said, I'm extremely busy, so it may not happen. But two movies I definitely want to watch. Uh, and uh, we will hopefully talking about it. be reviewing it, talking about it on Wednesday, assuming I have internet, because uh, <laughs> there's a small chance that i won't but i should have internet by wednesday uh 6 p.m eastern time same time same channel uh and friday i'm not entirely sure how friday is gonna work um friday we m i don't know i don't know how it's gonna work to be honest uh it will probably record the episode earlier in the day or it'll just be me i don't know i haven't really talked to ian about this um friday will be titans episode like 10 or something 
and what if episode eight and that'll be friday not 6 p.m eastern time it'll be earlier uh because i will be busy for most of friday so we'll find a random time in the day to sit down and talk for an hour about those things for you guys all right that was a fun show venom 2 Mini Saints of Newark. That's an exciting week for movies. We're, we're getting into the exciting month of October for movies. Uh, it's a good one. Ian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for walking us through those news articles. Doing what I can, man. Uh, and I'm Joshua Troop. This is your name is Indecision. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>